created live on Fireside. Cookery by the book Unplugged, created live on Fireside. Tonight, she's a cookbook author, recipe developer, baker, TikTok sensation, and maker of easy peasy sweets. Jesse Sheehan is my guest on Cookery by the Book Unplugged from New York City. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you, Susie. So excited to be here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is so much fun. <laughs> so I want to give everyone a little context about how you got into this whole baking recipe developing thing. And yes. this really says so much about you. So years ago, and I think you may have been pushing a child in a stroller. <laughs> you walked right into Baked, a bakery in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and you said, please hire me. I really don't know anything, but I will be a hard worker, and I really want to learn what you guys are doing here. And then they looked at you like you were a crazy person. A hundred million percent. The only thing that the only thing that is inaccurate is I wasn't pushing a kid in that moment, but I did have two kids of stroller age waiting for me at home. But uh, essentially, I I had been um, I had been an actress when I first graduated from college, and then I had been a lawyer for a while, which I despised. And then I went on maternity leave when I when I popped out my first kid. Um, which was 17 years ago. And I now joke that I'm still on maternity leave from my law firm job. Um, but I, you know, had had two little boys at this point, and I hadn't been working for, for about three years. And, um, and I was trying to figure out what to do next. You know, what was my next thing going to be? I loved my babies, obviously, but I wasn't sure I wanted to be home with them exclusively. I thought it might be a good idea for me to, to get out a little bit as well. Good for them. Good for me. And I, when I kind of tried to say to myself, well, what is it I like? I decided, well, I like sugar. Um, <laughs> and although I don't know how to make anything <laughs> with sugar, because I, I, I didn't grow up in a baking household. I didn't have any experience with baking you know, double stuffed Oreos, Pepperidge Farm raspberry turnovers, devil dogs, um, uh, Entenmann's, but no, nothing homemade. Um, but I, but I had a, I have a voracious sweet tooth and I always have since I was little. So I decided to go into this bakery in my neighborhood called Baked and ask them, just as you said, if, if they would kind of, you know, hire me or allow me to work for free just to kind of learn the ropes of, of, of what one needs to do to, to, to make, yummy, sweet things. Um, they looked at me like I was insane because what mom of two little kids like walks into a bakery and says, hello, can I please um, work for you? Um, back then, of course, I was very young, but at the time I felt very old. And I'm sure to them who were all, you know, a decade younger than me, I did look very old. Um, but they took a chance on me. I remember I, I wrote this incredibly enthusiastic note to the head baker because she wasn't there when I walked in, you know, with tons of exclamation points, you're know, like trying to kind of express all of my enthusiasm for an opportunity. And I realized that maybe in like cool, hip Brooklyn, that was not what she wanted to read. So I kind of went back about a week later and said, you know, forget those exclamation points. I'm actually a cool hip dudette and um and 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 I want to work for you and I promise I won't I won't speak in exclamation points I'll be mellow and cool and learn everything you want to teach me then baked kind of um made the pathway for the vintage baker which was your second Correct. book released in 2018 a favorite of the Washington Post Oprah <laughs> Nigella and me 
<laughs> and now that's a cookbook based on those quaint old American baking booklets. Can you talk a little bit about that? Of course. And that's where I think you got that image of me with a kid in a stroller. Because in fact, I was in Brooklyn with one of my kids in a stroller and happened to pass by an old um, like junk shop, antique shop kind of situation. And the door was open. It was springtime. And on the floor of the shop were these huge kind of baskets of all of these super whimsical little recipe booklets from like, I don't know, the late 19th century to the mid 20th century. And I had never really seen them before. But I was my interest was immediately piqued. And I kind of zoomed in with the with the strollered kid, um, grabbed a whole bunch paid for them and left and like a, a, a love affair was born. I mean, essentially, these pamphlets um, were a really clever advertising tool by many different ingredient companies and appliance companies um, who were trying to get, um, and I, I'm going to say women because it was women at this point, were trying to get women who were at home, you know, making everything from scratch and, and, and you know, maybe didn't even have a refrigerator, how to get these women to buy um to buy a refrigerator or to buy baking powder rather than just whip egg whites to get their leavening. Um, so it was a it was an attempt to get people to use their products and to buy their appliances by when you bought the product or when you purchased the appliance, you were given or you paid you know, a nickel for a little booklet of recipes that called for that particular appliance or that particular ingredient. So all of these booklets would be like, let's say I some of my faves, like I have a swans down cake flower booklet. And it's beautiful and fun and whimsical. Um, it has great drawings and photographs. And all of the recipes call for cake flour. Or for instance, I have some really cool, awesome old, you know, um, Davis baking, baking powder booklets. And again, every recipe in there called for baking powder. And when leavening first hit the scene, you know, that was new for, for people. They weren't used to making a baked good with, with a chemical leavener. Um, so the, whatever, I just fell in love with the booklets and they, the recipes that the booklets included tended to be the kind that I learned, well, that I already loved, but that I learned to make at baked. They were big layer cakes with lots of fluffy frosting and chocolate chip cookies and biscuits and popovers and cinnamon buns and all of that kind of like old school kind of nostalgic Americana desserts, which are totally my jam. And, and those booklets kind of fed into that. And when I wrote The Vintage Baker, I essentially used those booklets. Um, I mined them for recipes and then took the recipes from the booklets and twisted and tweaked them for the 21st century baker, as I say, um, and, and, and did so, you know, via, via, you know, maybe calling for, um, a different kind of liquid than, you know, maybe something called for water. And I said, let's use buttermilk or something called for, you know, often many of the recipes had like no salt or no vanilla. So I would put salt or vanilla in them. It wasn't rocket science. I'm not, I'm not here to tell everyone that I'm a rocket scientist, but it was just these subtle, <laughs> tiny tweaks that I could make to these old fashioned recipes to make them more appealing to bakers today. You have one booklet from the 20s, and this cracks me up. It says something about how, like, a young wife saves the day with jello for her first dinner with the in-laws. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I have to say the jello booklets are spectacular. 
spectacular, like entire booklets devoted to the to the newly to the newlywed, to the newlywed wife. And and what does she do when when husband brings home um, a colleague from work at the last minute? What jello concoction can she possibly make that's going to work in that context? Or when she has her first baby, which jello should she make for the new baby who doesn't yet have teeth? I mean, it's it's so brilliant and delicious and fabulous. Um, I just the jello ones are really, really special. So I want to chat about the recipe on the cover. And it's also on page 20. It's your butterscotch pecan curls. But I think of these as sticky buns. Yes. So they, you know, they're this whole world of like pecan, like curls, sticky buns, cinnamon buns, they all kind of overlap a bit. But what I loved about these booklets and what I loved to include when I was writing my book is that it, not only were there all these whimsical pictures inside of these booklets, but the names were to die for. For instance, rather than call it a cinnamon bun, why not call it a curl, which is so perfect anyway, because that's exactly what you do when you make a cinnamon bun. You know, you roll up the dough and it looks like a curl or a snail or whatever, whatever word, you know, that that kind of shape um, connotates for you. But I just love that these were called curls and so was over the moon, like, of course, going to put a curl recipe in my book because like, that's so great. And that's what was super cool about writing that book in general. Like, as a baker, who doesn't want to put a cinnamon roll recipe in a cookbook? But what was so cool is I not only got to do that, but I got to do it and and got to give it this crazy old fashioned name. (laughs) (laughs) So in the vintage baker, the booklet you collected and baked out of all had different messages to the homemaker, depending on the era. Um, Like during the Depression, these booklets would focus on frugal recipes. And then in the 50s, it was all about being glam in the kitchen. So in terms of recipe messaging, this leads me to your TikTok recipes. (laughs) Like that, Loop? Yes, I love that segue. That was smooth. (laughs) What's your message that you want to convey to home cooks with your recipes on TikTok? Okay, so TikTok is a really interesting um, beast, and I use the word beast most affectionately. Um, I first started doing TikTok uh, a year ago, right before, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, a little bit before, like two weeks before the beginning of March, let's say, of 2020. And I literally knew so little about it that I, I, I said to my kids, guess what, sweeties? Today, mom's making talk ticks. Like, I literally had no idea. Talk <laughs> <laughs> I literally, Susie, had no idea what it was. Never been on the platform, didn't have a clue. But a company that I've worked for and that I love called The Feed Feed had kind of aggressively gotten into TikTok a few months, maybe even a year before the pandemic. So they had been encouraging me to come to their studio and make some videos for TalkTik. Um, and I was, you know, <laughs> I'm nothing if not game. So I said, yes. And I show up at the studio to, to shoot my first TikTok. And I said, what do I And I was going to make Rice Krispie treats because I'm a big, big Rice Krispie treat fan. And um, and I was also going to make some fudge. Um, I was looking for sort of easy recipes that would work with kids, um, but that you could also make quickly because, you you know, TikTok videos are a minute or less. And, you know, um, Jake Cohen, my pal and um, the former, you know, um, kind of creative director, I don't know his exact title of the feed feed. I said to him, OK, what do I do now? And he said, well, just 
just start talking really quickly. So essentially, out of that <laughs> grew this crazy TikTok persona of mine, where I very, I somewhat argue aggressively. Many of the many of the kids would argue aggressively. I would kind of make demonstrate a recipe in kind of this very quick not exactly angry, but kind of over-enthusiastic, a little bit aggro way. And to be honest, the, the TikToks kind of began, well, I mean, then of course the pandemic happened. So TikTok became something that I, that I embraced 100% because we were all, I think, looking for ways to pivot and to do different, you know, things during during a time when we could we could no longer be with our, you know, we could no longer go out. We had to kind of make work at home. And TikTok was a was a perfect way for me to do that. And over the summer, I kind of went from making videos that I thought kids would like because TikTok, at least at first, less so now, had a very young audience. It still does. So I would make kind of easy things that I thought a kid might like and I won't lie, that's actually perfect for me because A, I like everything to be easy peasy and basically, and also I'm basically like a kid myself. So it was perfect. I was like, oh, kids like Rice Krispie Treats. I love Rice Krispie Treats. Kids like chocolate chip cookies. I like chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> like it was not hard to come up with things that I wanted to make um, on TikTok for, for that audience. And I had, you know, a ton of growth and I have over 200,000 followers on TikTok now. I mean, there are certainly folks on TikTok who have bigger followings than me, but I have like this very dedicated group of 200,000 kids um, who, you know, follow me over to Instagram and, uh, you know, I can, I'm, I'm one of those, I do this on Instagram too, but I'm a really, um, I'm a very enthusiastic um, um, participant in these social media platforms. Like I'm not the kind of person who posts and then doesn't look back for 24 hours. I'm constantly commenting and responding to all the comments and trying to help people find the recipes they want and encouraging them to DM me if they have a question. Um, so I think that worked to my advantage too with TikTok because a lot of the kids, you know, it's a little different than Instagram where I would say people who are following me are probably interested in baking and maybe even know a lot about baking. TikTok can be a little different. It can just be kids who want to be entertained. And so it's fun to be able to teach them, you know, the stuff that I know how to do with, you know, sugar and flour and butter. Wait, I need to back up because you didn't even mention this. Oh, <laughs> that very first TikTok you did got almost a million and a half views. Yes, yes. No, that... Or did that blow your mind? Yeah, I mean, the, the TikToks at first that I did really did go viral, both both on my account and on the Feed Feeds account. Um, so if that a million and a half you're getting from my account, the Feed Feed probably had double that. So yes, I, the, the, the wow. original videos I did went super, super viral, which obviously was incredibly exciting, but also a little confusing because... As anyone knows who's ever had like a big bump on a social media platform, even though you know like, oh my God, this probably won't last, you also think, oh my God, I'm the new, I'm the next. I, I don't even know the names of the biggest. Yeah, Kim exactly, Kardashian. exactly. I was literally <laughs> like, oh my God, I just got a million views. So of course, at first, every video I made, I'm like, what? Only 500,000 views? Like I just, my whole sense of what is an appropriate, you know, response to a video was, you know, out the window. I like lost all ability to judge. And sometimes I'm still like that, you know, something will have like, I don't know, 
10 or 15,000. You know, when you think about that amount of people, it's a lot. But when you're, excuse me, when you once saw 100,000, you know, it's hard to put that kind of stuff in perspective. What did your teen son say? Oh, my gosh. Well, my older son, who's, who's, a, who's 17, he's not even on TikTok. He's too much of a snob, I guess. And he he was like, didn't want to have anything to do with me, never wanted to see them, was like incredibly embarrassed for me. His friends were like, oh, my God, your mom's amazing. But that didn't help. He still was like incredibly embarrassed by me. My younger son was and he's 15, was super cool about it. He actually was my videographer like over the summer and those few few months of the pandemic he was always the one shooting all my tiktoks for me and i could sometimes even get a smile out of him while he was making them which i knew was a good sign <laughs> since he's basically my audience wow <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your fans what sorts of of comments or dms do you get so it varies on different platforms i would say on it, definitely on TikTok, it's, you know, it's a very, it's a youthful crowd. Um, sometimes I, m some of my favorite comments are, I love you, granny, or you're, <laughs> you're just like my grandma, or can I call you Nana, uh, or um, hello, auntie. Um, and it's all fine and well, and they, I guess there are probably a lot of 53-year-old um, grandmas running around. Um, I am not a grandma, so I at first was, I won't lie, a teeny bit offended. Um, but now I'm used to it. Now if someone tells me I'm their granny, I just respond with a ton of um you know, heart eye emojis. Um, sometimes people are a little vicious, um, particularly when my persona on TikTok was a little bit crazier and a little bit over the top. People would say, like, I'm scared of you. Um, what is wrong with you? Are you are you high? Um, what happened to you? Like people, you know, literally were like, you're terrifying. Please stop. Um, and that hurt my feelings. I won't lie. Uh, I know I tried to be tough. Uh, but in the end, I'm a softy. Uh, but I got used to the, even that I got used to. Um, there was another there's a there's a somebody on TikTok called the vegan teacher who is has quite a huge following and is and is quite a polarizing character. She plays guitar and she encourages people to be vegan. And I don't think we look like each other, but my followers do. So I have gotten tons, hundreds upon hundreds of comments. Are you the vegan teacher? Are you the vegan teacher's sister? Are you the vegan teacher's mother? Um, did, why are you pretending to be? How can you make that dish with butter? You're vegan. And I would have to say, no, 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 you're mixing me up with someone. And I wish, I hope that anyone who is listening to this Googles the vegan teacher and puts a picture of her next to me. Um, and you will see that I don't really look like the vegan teacher. But maybe you could say I did. Um, but that's a big one. I get that a lot. Are you vegan? Um, that's really interesting because I was searching through your comments and I saw yes, a vegan. Yes, that's why, honey. Vegan word. I'm like, what? She's the queen that, of butter. Like, what are you talking exactly. about? And even that is so funny. You know, now Instagram has this thing called Reels, which they launched in August, which is essentially TikTok, but in 30 second bursts, not 60 second bursts. And now over there, people will say to me, I have a video right now on Reels. It's me making M&M cookies. And for Reels, it's doing really well. I think it may have over 
over a hundred thousand views and um and somebody i just looked earlier today at some of the comments and the comments were like are you the vegan teacher you look like the vegan teacher i'm confused i didn't think the vegan teacher was on instagram you know etc 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 so that's where that comes from but mostly uh, i'm getting a lot lately from um i think it's girls but it could be boys saying oh my god bestie i love you so much so i love i love being called yes. people's bestie i much prefer that to being called granny but i will i will take anything positive as well i saw that i was looking through i was weeding through your comments and yeah people call you yeah. the bestie um Someone said, um, you are inspiring. Aww. Someone wrote, I need her in my life. She's yes. so energetic. I Someone even said, um, you seem kind of sad in your oh. video. The last video, people really care about you. They do. But the reason they call me sad, because I get that a lot, is because I have pivoted with with TikTok and Reels. If you look at TikToks and Reels I was doing two or three months ago, you'll see kind of that crazy, super energized, over-the-top persona. And honestly, not only was it getting some kind of negative feedback, but it was super hard to maintain. It's exhausting. So now I'm just being me. You know, quirky, you know, I'm not dropping any F-bombs because it's kids, but I'm, you know, quirky and just having fun, making making recipes that I love that are on my blog or that I'm developing for a magazine or for a different media outlet. But it's just me. So people write in and say, oh, my God, what happened? Are you OK? Because they're used to me having so much energy. So I have to write back and say, I'm not sad at all. I'm just trying something new. And some people write back and say, oh, great, I love it. Or they write back, I hate it. Please go back to your old ways. I miss you. I get a lot of that. I miss you. What happened? I miss you. Um, but but people are very supportive. The other comment I get a lot is somebody will tag somebody else and say, this is you in 20 years or this is me in 20 years. So, you know, I don't think they really mean 20. They probably mean 30 or 40. But um, it's cute. Like they they and I take those as compliments. It's not like this is you and you're going to be a mess. It's like this is you and you're going to have a lot of energy and be really fun is at least how I'm hoping they mean it. <laughs> You know, there's not one comment or emoji that gets past you. I this. know. You are you could give a master class I, on the social media stuff. Like even a heart, you'll respond with like three hearts. Oh my god, Susie. So friggin' true. And the big question is should I be doing that? I mean, I don't even know anymore. It just I know it sounds crazy. Tell me what you think. But I think it's like impolite when I comment on someone's post and they just kind of double click the comment to show that they liked it and they don't comment back. I think that's impolite. I thought the whole point is we're supposed to be engaging on these platforms. I mean, of course, if you have one million followers or 500,000 followers or even 100,000 followers and you got like 400 comments on your I'm, I'm not expecting you to write me back like thanks jesse or heart emoji but i don't know if somebody comments even if it's just a heart or a love it or can't wait to make it i always respond it just seems to me good etiquette do you think i'm crazy no i think you're amazing and i try <laughs> to live up to that it, that now that seems exhausting 
it is, oh gosh, that's the problem. Not only is it exhausting, but it begs the question of, do you need to do this? Is it worth doing this? Because I won't lie, um, a social media platform like TikTok and Instagram, and I'm like a little bit on Twitter and a little bit on Facebook, um, It's it takes up so much of my time. And sometimes, you know, I'm trying to write another cookbook and I'm constantly developing recipes for my own website and for other people's websites. And it, you know, sometimes I'm not sure, is this truly a good use of my time? Is this truly, you know, there's that expression like moving the needle. And I'm like, is this truly moving the needle? Or is this just me, I'm a very rigid person, unfortunately. So I get very stuck in my ways. So like, it's hard. This is crazy, Susie, but I'm just going to come clean. It is hard for me to go through my Instagram feed and not like every single picture because I'm just trying to be supportive. Like I'm not, you're very supportive. Yeah. I'm not the kind of person who, who doesn't like your picture. And if the picture speaks to me in any way, I definitely will comment on it. I don't comment on everything, but if something speaks to me, I have to respond. Um, But that in and of itself. Okay, here's another crazy thing that I do, Susie. Get ready. Every time I look at Instagram and I don't I won't I'm not going to lie. I do not do this on TikTok. On TikTok, I hardly I follow like eight people. I don't go on TikTok because you get lost there and I, I can't afford to get lost there. There is too much. And I just I'll never return like you'll never hear from me again. But on Instagram, I I. When I pick up my phone to look at Instagram, I go through my entire feed until I hit a picture that I've already liked. In other words, yes. What? How? I mean, if, did we just like lose any listeners that we might have? I mean, no. I know I sound like a crazy person, but I'm feeling like being really honest with you. And that's true. I don't want to miss anything. First of all, I find Instagram really inspiring and not every single time I open it, but I follow mostly people in my industry and I don't want to miss what they're doing because it inspires me and gives me ideas. And it's, I love that. And then secondly, back to this idea of like, I just, I want to stay, I want to know what everyone is doing. That to me seems like an important piece of this puzzle, maybe even more so with a pandemic since I don't see anyone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. I know so, Are you even going to be my friend anymore? Yes, I love you. <laughs> so, you know, TikTok is younger. Yes. So how do you determine what you're going to make on TikTok as opposed to what you're going to show on Instagram? Okay, so I'm just going to come clean and say that my bandwidth is only so much so far that I just, re- it's repeated content. What I do on TikTok, so in other words, just a broad answer is it's the same content. Um, what I usually do is I make a long form demo video for TikTok and then it, it gets cut in two. So each half is less than 30 seconds because the other thing one learns about TikTok is that people don't have the longest attention span. So you don't actually want a full minute video. You're better off with something that's less than 30 seconds. So I like will do a long form video of me making chocolate chip cookies or M&M cookies or gluten free brownies. But then it'll be edited down. So it goes out as two different videos on TikTok, one after the other. And then for reels, I take that long form video and it gets um, it gets edited into a 30 second video that ends up on reels. But kind of 
back. So the big answer, the, the, the broad answer is that it's the same content. But again, back to what I was talking about earlier, because my brand is all about easy peasy baking, baking with ingredients that you already have in your pantry and in your refrigerator, baking things that you can do quickly, baking things that have a very short, not only a short ingredient list, but a short instruction list. I'm one of those people who like opens a cookbook and kind of I don't know what happens to me, like my eyes glaze over if I'm going page, 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 and it's still the same recipe. I kind of like things to be on one page, maybe two at the most. I'm not a I'm not a project baker. I love project bakers and I love project bakes, but that's not what turns me on. I'm not going to, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This recipe is going to take me all day. You will never hear me say that. I'm the kind of person who's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to make this. I'll be eating brownies in 25 minutes. Like, that's what the kind of thing you would hear me say. So it's like already my brand is kind of perfect for TikTok because I think I think, you know, I'm making a stereotype here about kids. But I think a lot of the, the kids on the platform are excited if they can make a really cool like my Rice Krispie Treat has a secret ingredient, which is sweetened condensed milk. So it it will basically be the best Rice Krispie treat you ever did have, but it's not, it's still a Rice Krispie treat. So it's going to be super easy to make. Um, same thing with cookies. You know, I tend to try to figure out ways to make all the delicious cookies that we all love without ever having to pull out a stand mixer because I don't even want to use big pieces of, of equipment when I'm baking. And I think that, you know, kids can respond to that too. Not everyone has a stand mixer at home, nor do they maybe even have a hand mixer at home. So it's nice that the recipes call for like a bowl and a whisk and a spoon. And I think, you know, on, on, on reels, um, which is Instagram, you know, I think those recipes work too. Would my Instagram audience maybe like to see some more sophisticated things? Maybe, but they can catch those in my feed or they can catch, you know, I write for the kitchen a lot. They can catch that stuff on the kitchen or on, I write for Food 52. They can catch that stuff there or for the spruce seats or, you know what I mean? So I feel like I still can keep an audience that's older. I'm not saying like, oh, no, I, I, I only want to make recipes for 12 to 14 year olds. I don't. I love 12 to 14 year olds, but I also like um, the older peeps like me and everyone in between. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think TikTok in some ways is like the perfect platform for for my brand. Um, and, and with that said, I mean, there are plenty of people because TikTok is now kind of taken off. There are plenty of people on TikTok who make very sophisticated recipes and people love them. So I'm I'm not saying, oh, my God, you have to dumb it down if you're on TikTok. You absolutely do not. That just happens to me kind of my brand and my thing, as it were. So tomorrow I am making your world's best Rice Krispie treat Yay! because I was at CVS today and I found this box of something called Springtime Rice Krispies. So I am Does so that mean they're all different colors? Yeah, they're like springy pastel. Oh my gosh, I love that. I know, and I will tag you, and I will. I can't wait. Please do. And you know what's so fun and interesting to me, um, and maybe to someone else, but, you know, I use the expression peeps a lot, like when I'm talking about people, yes. and that has a little bit of a funny story. I first started doing that when I first made my first Instagram story, which was probably two years ago now, and I said, hi, peeps, mm -hmm. and my one of my kids saw my Instagram story, and they're like, mom, what are you doing? No one says peeps. 
And I was like, oh, God, okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, I will not do it again. And then the next Instagram story I did, I said, hey, peeps. And then I said, oh, no, guys, I'm not supposed to say peeps. My kids told me not to say peeps. And then it just became a thing. And it's what I say all the time. So who should approach me on TikTok to do a video, you know, brand, you know, often folks like myself will will make a video or make a recipe and and do it for a company for a brand who should approach me but peeps and kellogg's to do peeps you know peeps rice krispie treats with rice krispies and how great is that if that is not so on brand for me then i do not know what is and i'm sure there are plenty of cookbook writers and folks like me out there who would be horrified if peeps and rice krispies kind of personified their brand but i am so here for it, Susie. I cannot even tell you. <laughs> okay, good. Here for and it. can I also say <laughs> that I am running to CBS when we get off, when we you know finish today, to buy some of those springtime Rice Krispies because that's brilliant. So the vast majority of us, and I'll go out on a limb to say all of us, um, cook or bake in privacy. But what was it like all of a sudden tossing and acting and theatrics into your baking? I imagine it took a heck of a lot more planning, like what you're going to wear. You always look so cute. Oh, what, love you. um, what you're going to make t- that's popular, your makeup, your hair, your mise en place, oh I love your you. kitchen appliances. What is the planning process like? Well, such, such a good question. Um, annoying. Can, can that just be the, the, the adjective of the, sure. of the answer? <laughs> period. Um, yeah. Annoying <laughs> period, because you're exactly right. Who wants to like, make sure their hair looks cute, particularly like, March, April, May, June, July of last year when nobody looked or felt cute. Um, I would, you know, have to put on regular clothes to go do a video. Um, I, yeah, I would put on makeup. I would try to have good lighting. I would be upset when I didn't look good. Um, I would try to mise en place. In the beginning, particularly when I was doing videos, I was trying to mise en place every single thing. Um, and, you know, it, it's exhausting and annoying. I would say now I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm just so used to it, Susie, that I hardly think about it. I mean, the makeup and the hair is still a little bit annoying. On the other hand, as we all know, since so many of us have spent the last year in sweatpants or pajamas with dirty hair and like we forgot what I like literally forgot what makeup is. It can be kind of nice, you know, once a week on Mondays when I film my videos, it can be kind of nice to like to put on makeup to do so. Do you know what I mean? And have one day, even if the only people who see me are um, are my kids and my husband and my dog to have one day where like I have like rosy red cheeks and like mascara on my you know lashes and like a little bit of lipstick you know it can be kind of nice the mise en place thing i mean i all i can say is huge pain in the ass a hundred percent and you know trying sometimes on mondays i'm filming um you know i don't know six videos five videos so that is an insane and i try to mise en place everything before um my she was my intern but now she's my employee comes over to help me film all the videos it's like you know my dishwasher is like by the end of the day i mean you it's like so full of tiny little dishes that i've been putting you know baking powder baking soda sugar flour chocolate chips etc in um so that was i wouldn't say it was a learning curve but it was an annoying curve and i'm still on it (laughs) (laughs) i'm so obsessed with your farmhouse in connecticut And that yellow kitchen, everyone needs to look at Jesse's yellow kitchen. <laughs> um, now, is the outside of your house the same shade of yellow as your kitchen? 
Good question. The house is kind of a shaker inspired house. So many of the colors are shaker colors and the outside of the house is kind of a mustard yellow, which is a, which is a, a, the a color that like a shaker meeting house would have been back in the day. The oh, inside, the yellow kitchen is, um, because my mom's best friend growing up, um, a woman who, um, who actually died when I was in my early 20s, but my mom's best friend growing up, and so a woman that I was incredibly close to, very close to her kids, still am today, but she had a yellow kitchen. So my yellow kitchen is kind of a nod to um, to Adele, my mom's friend, and my love for her and my memories of being in her kitchen. And also just a yellow kitchen. It's just so sunny and fun. I mean, my kitchen in Brooklyn is like brown and orange, which is kind of more like hip and cool <laughs> and Brooklyn. Um, but <laughs> it's really amazing. You know, it just it makes obviously it makes everything a little cheerier and a little brighter. But good question. Those are actually two different yellows, the outside being more mustard. So I want you to tell us about your fake chocolate caramel turtle. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So that is a perfect example of a recipe that I came up with just for TikTok. Um, I wish I could tell you that I invented them. But um, years ago, my sister-in-law shared with me that she'd gone to her book club and someone had brought these turtles. And a turtle is like a chocolate caramel. Does a turtle have nuts in it? I think it has pecans in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has one pecan. Um, pecan. pecan. I know. Oh, my God. Can <laughs> I just say, when I did this turtle video that I will tell everyone about in a second on TikTok, people got so angry at me because I say pecan, and they made fun of me and said, like, I was saying the word pee, oh and why was I saying pee, and what was wrong with me, and I'm actually supposed to be saying pecan. So thank you, Susie, for correcting me. No. <laughs> But go on. Okay. <laughs> Essentially, the recipe that my sister-in-law shared with me from her book club was you take a little square pretzel, or I guess it could be one of the more kind of traditional pretzel shaped, but a little square pretzel works well that kind of has that like crossword puzzle um, shape, uh, shape and look to it. You place a Rolo, which is a chocolate caramel candy. So now you've got your chocolate, your caramel sitting on a um, pretzel, and then you stick a pecan on top. <laughs> and you stick that in, well, actually, in the microwave goes the Rolo and the uh, and the pretzel. And then when it comes out of the microwave, you press a pecan on top of each one. And, you know, either let it kind of come to room temp or don't and just eat it right away. It is amazing because it's like the salty crunch of the pretzel with a soft, gooey, somewhat salty caramel and the sweet milk chocolate. And then that lovely pecan on top. <laughs> and But that's a perfect example, Susie, of early days of me doing TikTok. I wasn't even imagining like taking a recipe from my blog the way I do now and doing a video of it. I was just trying to find things that were really fast that I thought would appeal to a kid. So I would say, I, you know, and that would, that's a perfect example. It's a super easy recipe to make. Um, it's a big bang for your buck. It's really fun. I ended up actually making a s'mores version over the summer for TikTok, which is the same idea, except instead of um, the pecan, uh, there's a marshmallow and you put another pretzel on top. And you can either use a Rolo Ooh. or you can just use a piece of 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 milk chocolate. So it's, you know, it's basically subbing out graham crackers 
um, getting rid of the graham crackers and using pretzels instead. Um, but anyway, I, I would say that I have seen, you know, in terms of my growth, um, I have changed my tune on TikTok and I actually want to make, I want to be a little bit, this sounds funny since we're talking about TikTok, but I want to be more authentic, right? So I want to be me. I want to actually act like me, not like a crazy person. And I want to make recipes that are <laughs> on my blog and that I make because like I dig them and I think they're yummy. So that's where you'll, what, if you look at my TikTok or my reels now, that's what you see. You see me quirky me, you know, making the food that I like to eat. I'm less, I guess a good way to put it is I'm a little less gimmicky, if that makes sense. Are you still going to think favorite OMG, thank you for bringing that up. So that was something when I made that first viral, I made the viral Rice Krispie video, and I also made a viral fudge video, both with the feed feed. And I happened to, when I added the sweetened condensed milk to the fudge, I happened to say favorite ingredient, favorite ingredient. Just it just came out of me. It was like all you know, whatever, and it became something that people latched onto. And then every video I did, they expected me to say it. And when I didn't say it, they would do like sad emoji face. No favorite ingredient, Granny. I know. I'm always like, what happened to Jesse? She's not. I know. I got to bring that back. I got to <laughs> bring that back. I forgot about that. Um, but that's just like another funny example of you have no idea what is going to stick, what people are going to think is funny. Yeah. And I don't even know how that came out of me. I mean, it is true. Like things like salt and vanilla and sweet and condensed milk really are my favorite ingredients. But who who the heck knows <laughs> why I started singing that while standing in the feed feed studio making those videos? <laughs> so lately you've been um like doing weird food combos food reviews you've taught us how to measure liquid ingredients and you even taught us how to wash our hands during the <laughs> pandemic while singing favorite ingredients <laughs> that is all true but again most of that is a little bit more on the gimmicky side which i am kind of veering away from now yeah, okay. I mean, the the weird food combos, I mean, that's a perfect example of how that TikTok platform works. Like, funny, weird things become popular. And then if you want to kind of jump on that to grow your platform and to get yourself out there, you do those. And then, you know, it helps build, build, build your following. Um, those were sort of, they're funny. I kind of like them because. Yeah, they're really I like funny because I get to ham it up, and I am a ham. If if nothing else, I'm a ham. Um, I, so I like them for that reason. But in my regular life, am I sitting around doing weird food combos? No. <laughs> so honestly, how do you stay? So oh, I know skinny? everyone asks. That's another question, Granny. Why do you not weigh a million pounds? Um, the truth of the matter is that I'm like a very. I'm not only a rigid person, but I'm a very. I've come. I've come clean on so many fronts on this chat with you. Susie, but here's another one. I'm very disciplined. I just am. So it's, I think the reason you, that I'm answering every single comment and looking at every single Instagram post, it's like, it's part of a kind of discipline. Maybe one could even say OCD ish kind of vibe that is very much me. And so I exercise six days a week religiously, like do not miss it for anything. Um, I what have do you a do? Peloton. So I ride my Peloton um, and I'm a big I'm a I'm an advocate for the bike. I have to say. I mean, it's just it's so easy to do in the sense that you just walk to wherever your bike is located, get on it, and you are done. 
somebody some people say they don't want to do it because they don't want to be yelled at uh, first of all i don't mind being yelled at but second of all it's not really yelling it's just like it's a little more interactive for instance than me just trying to do an exercise video from an app and i'm one of those people who hate exercise classes i hate having to go to a gym I've like maybe been a gym member once in my life. I just I don't like any of that because I'm a very part of my rigidity and whatever else is like I like to do things very efficiently. So I like the idea that whatever I'm at, whatever my exercise is, I don't have to leave my house to do it. And I used to be a big runner, which is sort of my first choice for exercise. But I've had a my one of my dogs. Um, rest in peace, who is no longer with us, um, tripped me when I was running a few years ago and I'm not able, and I broke my leg and I'm not able to run anymore. So the Peloton is perfect for me. It's like running in the sense of it's a cardio workout, which I really like. Um, But anyway, maybe I'm talking about Peloton too long, but I like, I like, um, I like, (laughs) I'm a religious exerciser, which helps me keep my weight in check and I'm also I always joke that like when I'm testing recipes if something works if I make brownies and they're delicious I can have one bite and put them away but if I make if I make a cake and it doesn't work out I eat the entire thing because I'm trying to figure out what went wrong and I'm sad you know like there are a whole host of feelings that come up when a when a recipe doesn't work and it and my answer to that is just shoving the whatever it is in my face so you know, for the most part, when things work out, I don't overindulge. I am a Rice Krispie fanatic. Like I did make them the other night for me, quote, me and my kids. And then I ate half the tray. Like it's it's hard for me to resist if it's something I really, truly love like that. But um, I, I would say that's the answer. I'm just I'm good. You know, whenever somebody texts me or DMs me that or comments on that, I always say everything in moderation, which I know is a cliche. But for me, that's true. So here's the big question. Yeah. Ready for it? I need a drum <laughs> or something. Why does chopped chocolate work for extra fudgy brownies? I know, right? It's amazing. Why? It doesn't even necessarily, um, just to give everybody a little context, I recently posted a recipe for a gluten-free brownie um, that has this awesome secret ingredient to make it extra chewy, which is cornstarch, which I have recently started to make brownies with cornstarch rather than flour. And they are like, I don't know, some of the best brownies I think I've ever made. So anyone who's interested in that should check out the recipe on my website. I just um, posted it earlier this week. But anyway, I also have learned in my brownie research, because I'm a big part of a recipe developer's job is, you know, you, you get the job, let's say, to make brownies, even if in this case, it's the job I gave myself since I just did it for my website. But let's say, you know, Food 52 or the kitchen or somebody wanted a recipe for brownies, you know, obviously you're going to do a ton of research on the Internet and in your own cookbook library, trying to figure out all the all the secrets that everyone who came before you has figured out. And lo and behold, when doing brownie research, I found on the King Arthur website that for one of their brownie recipes, I couldn't even tell you which one it is, but you could probably find it. Um, if you add chopped chocolate or chocolate chips to brownies, um, the the texture changes because it's not really the experience. Like when you bite into my brownie, you're not really biting into it. Cho- it's not like chocolate chip brownies, right? The, the chocolate melts and it just adds this incredible um, uh, in texture and chewiness and um tenderness. I mean, tender is probably the wrong word. Sometimes for a food writer, I'm not always great at coming up with the greatest adjectives uh, on the fly. But all I can tell you is give it a try. Whether you're going to make my brownie recipe or somebody or your own, 
try throwing in a handful of chocolate chips, a handful of chopped chocolate. Maybe the chopped chocolate's even better because it melts more easily than the chips, but I've done both. Um, so delicious, Susie. You do everything so well. <laughs> and to boot, your food photography is amazing. Oh That's one God. of the hardest things for me. I have to make things out of these cookbooks, and my kitchen is dark, and the picture always turns out a little wonky. So do you have any photography tips for us home cooks? Well, yeah, I love you saying <laughs> that because, of course, you know, I guess it's all relative, but I look at my photography and I'm like, why can't I get it together and learn how to be a photographer? Because so, well, oh my what? God, 100%, Susie, so many people in the industry, in the baking and food industry are, are I mean, I don't know so many people, maybe I'm exaggerating, but they're food stylists as well as everything else. And so they already bring to the recipe development and the Instagram game all of their skills as a food stylist. So I feel like I'm always at such a disadvantage because truthfully, all I'm good at is developing the recipe. I'm not good at making it look good. I mean, I used to occasionally make people birthday cakes for money. You know, they always tasted delicious. But Susie, there was no, you know, fondant Batman popping out for like a fifth birthday. And that's just not my <laughs> jam. I can hardly pipe. I mean, I can hardly frost. I mean, I'm like really like not good at making things look pretty so that's why i find the photography so tricky and you know to be perfectly honest what i often do and i guess this is a good tip is i i when i'm when after i make the thing and i'm getting ready to photograph it i like i was recently photographing my my glazed yeasted donuts so what i do is i go on to google and i google yeasted glazed donuts and then i hit images and I look at all the pictures of what people have done. Or you can do Google. Yeah. Me don't too. You, I find, and it's, it doesn't oh, help my cause. I find so. that helps for me because it helps me figure out how to place things. Because I'm so bad at it. I don't even know where things should go. Like, should brownies be yeah. stacked on top of each other? Or should brownies, should be an overhead <laughs> shot of like 12 brownies in a grid? Like, I... I have I don't have a clue, Susie. I'm I'm and and I feel like I'm always reinventing the wheel. Like Same. I, whatever. Really, I should take a class, and I don't. I mean, I'm still photographing with my iPhone. Although, truth be told, I think your photos look so honey. Darn please good. move in with me and be my support. <laughs> be my support <laughs> system when I'm feeling sad. <laughs> yes, you can live in the yellow house. I promise. I'll say, Granny, cheer up. <laughs> Exactly. You'll be like, yo, BFF. Did I hear somewhere that cream cheese is your favorite ingredient? Oh, gosh, I do love cream cheese. I particularly love like surprise cream cheese, like a chocolate cupcake that has cream cheese in the center or a chocolate <laughs> frosting. Or I, I just I don't laugh, but I've been known to just eat cream cheese. I like it that much. What? Yes, I love the tang. <laughs> I love the fat. I'm like, fat is probably my favorite food, my favorite ingredient. Um, and yes, I love. You have to yes, sing it. I, yeah, favorite ingredient, cream cheese. Um, I love everything about, yes. I mean, 100%, I love everything about cream cheese. There is nothing I do not love. Wow, that's breaking news. <laughs> So what projects do you have on the horizon that you can tell us about? Of course. I have a couple of um, recipes that will be coming out in the post in May. Um, and I love baking with oil. That's one of my things. And um, it's going to be a couple of different recipes that call for a couple of different kinds of oil. Um, olive oil, neutral oil, um, 
not oils, that kind of thing. So I'm going to write about that for the post. That's something I'm excited about. I'm going to have my first recipe um, for basically, which is the vertical connected to Bon Appetit, which is kind of there. And I'm going to um, write a recipe for them that comes out in May. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say what the recipe is, so I'm not going to. But needless to say, it'll be delicious and sweet and bakey because I'm a baker. Um, And that'll come out in May as well. And then I have two magazine stories coming out one on buttermilk for fine cooking magazine and one on icebox cakes which is what my first cookbook was about uh for parents magazine so and that was a super fun story to develop i have to tell you not only because i like icebox love icebox cakes so much but also because like hello i i I think i'm like really into making things for kids and like even though parents magazine them probably the parents or the caregivers are making the recipes with the kids it was still fun to think about things that kids could do to help out with the recipe so before we wrap what is one of your all-time favorite cookbooks? Oh, that is such a good question. I mean, I'm looking at kind of my pile of my faves um, in my office here, and I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Shirley, it's C-O-R-R-I-H-E-R, Courier maybe, but it's her book called it's called What's Bake it Wise, The Hows and Whys of Successful Baking. Came out at least, I'm, I might even want to say two decades ago. It came out a while ago. It is a fantastic book for teaching you why things happen, why there are certain ingredients in recipes, and why those ingredients make the things happen that you want to have happen, like a moist cake or a velvety crumb. It is a brilliant book, Susie. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And it taught me so much about about baking. And, you know, I never went to culinary school. My All my education was really at, at baked at the bakery that I worked at. And that book has been unbelievably helpful in teaching me tricks about, you know, like there's a little trick in there about whipping up some heavy cream to make a super velvety tasting crumb for like a chocolate cake or a vanilla cake, whipping up a little heavy cream and folding that into the cake right before you bake it. Um, and, and surely not only tells you what to do what what ingredients to add but then tells you why you're adding them and i just find that so helpful i'm gonna have to look yeah you definitely should i think she has one called cook wise as well which is about cooking i think she was a scientist sadly i do not think she is alive anymore although i hope maybe hope i'm wrong but i think that's true but it's an incredible book i don't even remember who first introduced me to it but it was many many you know at least a decade and a half ago, I think I got my copy. Um, but it's excellent, excellent. So where can we all find you on the web and social so media? So you can find me at on my website is Jessie Sheehan Bakes, and that's J-E-S-S-I-E-S-H-E-E-H-A-N, Bakes. That's my website. And actually, I'm Jessie Sheehan Bakes on all social channels, essentially, um, except Twitter is Jessie S. Bakes. But TikTok is Jessie Sheehan Bakes, and Instagram is Jessie Sheehan Bakes, and Facebook is Jessie Sheehan Bakes. Well, this has been a blast, Jesse. I cannot thank you enough for coming on Cookery by the Book Unplugged on Fireside. Oh, my gosh. Susie, I loved it so, so, so much. I cannot even tell you. Thank you, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye, guys. If you want to be in the Fireside Studio audience where you can listen to Cookery by the Book Unplugged live and ask questions, DM Susie at Cookery by the Book on Instagram or email Susie at CookeryByTheBook.com for a free VIP link.